Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, why not give us a like, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get on with this week's episode. I tell you what, I'm excited to try this V60 machine that you've sent me. Um, and so I, I mean, my wife doesn't get it. It's essentially coffee, it's filter coffee, but it's, it's so much more than filter coffee. Um, what, what actually is uh, it? This is it. It's co- making coffee is a craft. I it's don't an, think we it's just an need art, to it's not a science. First. Yeah. And, um, there's people now going, oh no, they're fussy type. It's like, yeah, we are. Uh, if we if we ever visit, please don't give us instant. Uh, <laughs> so, right, this is actually true. When someone offers me coffee, I kind of look at them and go, um, like that. And I kind of wait for them to go, oh, it, it's it's not instant coffee. Because I, and I go, oh, okay, that's fine. Um, and, um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, if someone offers me pre-ground coffee, I'm not going to get too hit up about that. That's fine. And if they say, oh, it's just in a cafetiere, I'm fine with that. But if someone goes, do you want a coffee? And I say, yes. And then they reach up and get a, a jar out and take some spoonfuls out. I'm like, that's not a coffee. That's, that's, that's an abomination. That's what that is. <laughs> right. Hello and welcome to today's episode, <laughs> listeners. We're thinking coffee, where where Lee and Chris just express their disgust at certain methods of making coffee. So, I, look, no, no. I mean, so like, I I draw the limit personally. My my, my limit is, it's uh, like yeah, we're we're all going to get bitten by it at some point. You're going to get given instant coffee. There's 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 levels of instant coffee. Then again, there's also Starbucks bad. So it's like you know, Starbucks is generally a burnt mess in a cup, but um. <laughs> Charbucks. Uh, we should say other coffee is available. Um, you know, yeah. We don't. I just draw the line at mellow birds. I think that's a. So I remember. So I. I don't want to talk about the uh, establishment. It was. Um. It might have been the same establishment, but I can't remember. Uh, I can remember. I just don't want to say. Uh, and they brought out a, uh, a, a. Their own version of instant. I remember being in the street, and you could try, the their version of instant. And then their version of filter, and they're like, you can't tell the difference. And you went, so you, you basically do this blind t- taste test. And yeah, you, went, you could <laughs> instant, and they went, yes, because <laughs> you just can tell. Like, you know, you can't you can't dress up instant coffee as something that it's not, um, and it you know to pretend that it's anything other. Um, although I, one thing I do remember is I don't think I don't know if they do them anymore, but they used to do these like um, you used to be able to get like these filter coffees that you could just put on top of the cup. I know that you can either like the V60 you can, but they're actually just like yeah. little plastic ones. They were like, you know, if you were going camping or something. And I quite like those. They were, you know, yeah. if you're going camping. I mean, you're... To, be, to be fair, they, they sound like an eco disaster. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they're, not, they're but... not good. The other thing I've seen is um, coffee bags, like tea bags, but with coffee. I think there's um, some, and I'm, there's, uh, for me, that's a dangerous, I think we're walking down a dangerous path here with coffee. 
And I think, you know, there's certain things yeah. that coffee is more than just the drink. It's the preparation. It's the, the ritual. Oh, I, am, I am totally with you on this. Having spent silly money on a grinder and various different methods of making coffee and experimented and what could be seen as considerable investment into buying good coffee beans. But in our cupboard, we have some of those coffee bags because my wife has no idea how to make coffee if people come round. So if I'm not yeah. in and they ask for a coffee and I won't let her serve instant. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, uh, so we do have a few coffee bags for those but then people add milk and sugar and basically turn it into a dessert so you know they're they're that you know i know i have been getting i'm i've got into having coffee with cream in it as a standard now and it's just a delight oh, it's lovely <sighs> nah, it's black very coffee good. all the way black, black coffee is nice but yes but yeah i like a bit of cream in bit of cream in the coffee it's very nice anyway shall we get on with the episode because today uh we're going to be talking about what I've called the Jackie Weaver Guide to Meetings. Um, I don't know if uh, listeners will be aware, but there is uh, a fantastic video, which I recommend that you go and watch, uh, which has made its way around the internet about a parish council meeting. And there is a, a lady there called Jackie Weaver. And it's, uh, it's explained at the beginning of the meeting to Jackie Weaver that she has no authority yeah, although I think is she chairing the meeting? There's a big argument. You, but Lee, you're probably gonna have to explain this. As so, I mean, t- to be fair, there's there is so much going on in in what is a relatively short clip that's going around of uh, of, of adding the context. But and there's obviously a backstory. This isn't this isn't their first rodeo. So I think yes. that when we're when we're viewing this meeting. <laughs> that although we are seeing some exceptionally bad behavior um i think it would be and and some of it's quite comedic in the way that people are talking and reacting however i think we do have to allow that there was that there is context and history to what's going on so people are having people are having actual responses to things where we haven't got all the information yes so i'm going to caveat that my other one would be just as a reminder, if you are anywhere and do anything online, on email, video, or it's recorded, you have to assume that at some point it can be publicly visible. <laughs> so, yes. like, never do anything or act any way in any of those situations without it being in your mind that this will at some point be public. I'm very conscious of this every time we record a podcast of, like, literally everything I say and spend hours after going over what did i do what did i say how did i act because at some point it's going to be in the you know people are going to listen to it and you're going to get responses on things that you say and do but back to this meeting there's yeah the 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 counselors the setup jackie's role and what she's meant to be there to do and i think i think it's over whether they're a clerk or not isn't it and or clark and how they're to um uh host and prepare and introduce that's right but it's not very facilitative in it in its effort and i think people have wanted their say i think there's protocol to follow that some other people aren't aware of and it just descends into a bit of chaos and uh my favorite thing though is that jackie stays incredibly calm 
and keeps putting people back out to the waiting room into the into the virtual lobby uh, as if it's like some like cooling off. Uh, it's like being sin bin from a meeting. Although you know, I'm all for bringing that in. <laughs> but to bring in the sin bin, you got a yellow card, and if you if you if you go again, then you get put into the the waiting oh, room. I can imagine that in a church meeting. It's like no bad behaviour, sin bin. I'd, it'd be amazing. But anyway, well, I think yeah, so. Yeah, what what this hits on for me is that uh, when you look at that video, the first thing is no one trusts each other. No, no, there's there is there is a. A total lack of psychological safety. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, a good meeting should be somewhere where everyone trusts each other to be able to give their opinion. And that opinion you might disagree with, but you're going to, at the very least, you know, you can you can listen to it, you can disagree, you can argue about it, but you know that when the meeting is done, you're all pulling in the same direction and that you're doing it for the good of each other. And when that trust isn't there, then you do descend into the kind of chaos that you saw on that call. Yeah. And it's, it's the setup. If you're, if you're hosting a meeting and you're inviting people, the preparation, uh, having ground rules. Yeah. Uh, even, you know, sometimes you're going to just state your ground rules because you've, you've done this before. Uh, but sometimes it's good if it's a relatively new group or if it's a new purpose or this meeting is the first time that a certain group are gathering is to run through them, ask if people are okay with those rules, making sure that people get to take turns in speaking, that people are heard, that they're aware that it's being recorded, that it's being documented, um, and what the roles of everybody there are so that people are clear before you even begin, so that you can address any of those concerns, so that you can actually move on to the objective and hopefully come to some conclusions. Because nobody wants a meeting that's for meeting's sake that you get to the end and there's nothing actionable like what's the point well I think this is this is a, a really good thing to hit on is that many people listening to that will have me listening to this will have meetings and many meetings are you know it's the weekly meeting and is that a good idea or does every meeting need to have a specific point to it because you know you what you see a lot of is you have meetings where points of discussion and you're trying to get through as many points of discussion as possible and you're always left kind of thinking should that just be an email do we need to discuss that so it should a meeting just have one specific point or can you have um multiple points for one meeting what what are your thoughts on that again depends it's you know because you can i've i've run meetings for people that use techniques that's so called agendaless where we have agendaless meetings um and there's varieties of that based around things called uh coffee meeting or lean coffee which come from certain project uh running methodologies and there you all my, my personal bugbear is whether when a meeting could have been an email or having a meeting where people haven't done the read that yeah. actually if there's distributed material are you familiar with it before you gather to meet because th that's that's a that's a really important thing so i think it's 
meetings often don't run to schedule when you've got to go over material because people haven't come prepared. Yeah. And I think that's, so I think the, the preparation, but I, I've been to meetings and it's sort of like, oh, we're meeting on Thursday night and Thursday afternoon, sets of accounts come out and reports from the chair and all sorts of things. And I'm going, I've got no way to review this meaningfully before we meet tonight. And then you meet and you're not prepared to be able to make good decisions or you, and you know, you feel on the back foot before you even begin. So I think yeah, that, that, that's the, like, what is the meeting for? Like, and <clears throat> how much do you need? How much does it always need everybody? And, you know, not everything needs a consensus. Uh, sometimes decisions need to be made in a distributed manner. I trust that the finance people are having finance meetings and are up to date where they are, but also that they're writing reports, documenting things, sharing them, email stored somewhere centrally, that they can be reviewed and monitored. When we get to a quarterly, say, ops meeting to review how we're doing with finance, HR, governance, legal and all the rest of it, I just want to see the headline dashboard report and some red, amber, green statuses and be able to hone in and say, this one that's red, what are we doing about it? But also, if something's red, I'd expect that to have been prepared in advance because that's clearly where we're going to be talking about and things like that. So it's setting up and expectations and the purpose of why, why, why we're gathering, but also standing meetings are you doing anything that big that requires an actual standing meeting as opposed to, you know, just like knowing that regularly you will gather to discuss certain things? Um, Well, I always find that if you don't have a standing meeting, then what happens is it becomes way too easy for, to, to not meet up. So it's, I, I always think it's better to have something regular in, like if it's a, so I meet with for my church, uh, my, my church leadership team that I'm part of, we meet every Friday at uh, 1 p.m. And, and what's good about that is it's now part of every meeting, every Friday we meet at 1 p.m. And so it's, it's now part of my life. And what, if, what happens if, if you just meet ad hoc, you know, when you need to, um, then it's too easy to go, oh, I'm not free then, I'm not free then. Then you have that problem of the scheduling issue. Yeah. Whereas at very least, and also if what happens is if you if you end up having a standing meeting and then that meeting continually gets cancelled, the same thing happens. Suddenly people stop putting things in at that time and then they're not free and then they get cancelled. And so yeah. almost it, meeting, even if it's just we're going to meet, but we're just going to hang out and chat is actually might I, be helpful. I think, that's it it's so you know what you said there is that you've got a regular touch base that's that's scheduled in and actually it can have multiple purposes and that if it's not going to be a decisional meeting you're at least going to catch up and check in on well-being yeah yeah that's right so i you know that that's fine but i think then what i would be saying is what's the difference between doing that like do you then force it to be an hour long or if you get done in 15 minutes, do you go, great, we'll all head out? Yeah, I mean, I think that the the, the latter, you, you just work to what you need to, to do. And if that means that it's just 15 minutes long, then that's absolutely fine. Um, and if that means that you've got a bit more time just to... And I think the good thing about church is, is that it should be... Uh, we often, we kind of can lean to the, you know, the strategic. And, you know, we are, you know, we, we think about strategy a lot. But 
you know, churches are pastoral organizations. So getting through yeah. some of the business stuff in 15 minutes to give you 45 minutes to, to really catch up, you know, build that sense of team and build that sense of community and talk about life is actually kind of really important. You know, even if you're a, a team that meets for a specific purpose, I think still having that time that's pastoral is really helpful. And actually, in one sense, keep keep the hour because it it could mean you're done in 15 minutes with you know the business side of things, and you've got 45 minutes just to be relational, and that builds trust for next next meetings because you're starting to then yeah. realize that you know we're not you're not just there as you know a member of parliament as it were quote unquote you know to just push an issue or just to you know to meet about your area you're there in a living breathing you know you're you're a body you're you're working together your your community and i think that that's and that's a really good way of being able to think about meeting also and i'll add this one in that what it can do is it means that your your team meeting can often be like a small group as well which i think could be a great thing because it means you don't have to go to another small group. <laughs> that might just be me. Um, but you can double up because, you know, a team, you know, a leadership team can and maybe should function in that same way that small groups function, where they, you know, you're hitting on certain things and there's, gr there's a growth aspect to it, but there's a huge community aspect to it as well. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I'd also add on that if you, if you're scheduling that as a meeting, to, to do those kind of check-ins that maybe we need to look at your team comms and things that are going on outside of that. We all have at our disposal platforms such as Slack, Teams, um, and, and among others, even smaller smaller applications, maybe, maybe scale less well, but things like WhatsApp um, are, are there as well. But what are you doing to do like daily check-ins, see what people are working on, I think at that point we're talking about visibility. So Chris, you and I, we we've worked in environments and we've had uh, daily daily check-ins where we all state at the beginning of the day what we're going to do. We had something that we called move the needle, like so you know what are the big things today that we're all going to be working on. So there was visibility between one another, and that was just a typed check-in. And maybe someone would throw in a, throw in a comment and say, "Hey, uh, sounds really interesting. Can I help you?" Or is there anything I can anything I can add? Or did you want to get ten minutes and talk about such and such? And but it just raised the visibility, so nothing was hidden. And actually, what that did was is that when we came to have fuller meetings that were in person or virtual this last year, but when it came to do the fuller meetings, we already had some of the history, some of the context, and the background of of the things that we are talking about. So when we asked comment that said, why is that not happening? Or, you know, why did it finish early? Or what, what's the progress on X? We, we all actually understood something of it already. Yeah. I think if you, if, you are, if you push the expectation that when you call a meeting, that you're going to do all of that in that short amount of time, you're, you're having a bad meeting.
Yeah, I think that's really true. And I think the, the great advantage of having those kind of like regular daily check-ins does mean that by the time you hit the meeting, get you 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 know where everyone is up to. So you don't actually have to go through that conversation of, well, have you done this this week? And have, you know, you know, every church should be setting goals and they need to be moving towards their goals. And so at some point you've got to have that accountability of like checking in about what you're achieving. This does become harder when, when you're talking about a volunteer team, because it works very well in a staff setting, I think, to say that, you know, if you're working your, you know, daily working for a church in a staff context, that's easier. It's a bit harder, I think, when you have it in a um, yeah, in a volunteer context, because then often, you know, nine times out of 10 or four days out of seven, they're probably not going to be able to work on it because they're at work. You yeah. know, they, they can't move the needle forward on a Tuesday potentially, but, but still having those regular checking points could really be helpful. Well, I don't know what your thoughts yeah. on that on for a volunteer. Yeah, I still think with, with volunteers that it's, it's really healthy that somebody who is, overseeing that to whatever degree a quick check-in or a message out a standing template that allows someone to say if 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 it requires it not all things require it but if you're just saying you know how are you what you're doing what's the next thing you've got coming up is there anything we can help you with that you know information in advance of meeting so you make the best use of time when you meet um and also when you meet we've done this kind of like check-in procedure where we've all started meetings by saying things of note that could potentially be a distraction for us as we move into that time uh yes. and sometimes that's really really helpful to just go hey i'm in this meeting i'm here for it entirely but just to let you know I'm distracted at the minute because I've got a parcel being delivered and my child is over there doing some homeschooling. So I am present and I am listening, but I've got to keep an ear out on something else just so that you're aware. And it's like, but just airing those things and being honest, but that creates safety in the team again. Yes. And we don't always need to do that that level because we're not always virtual. Sometimes we're physically sat in a room. But I still think if we're physically sat together, it's good to go around and just like say, you know, what you've had going on and maybe how something could be impacting you at this time yeah I again think, yeah it's, it's the transparency like if you've got transparency and you've got clear comms you're not going to end up with a viral meeting <laughs> do you know what I mean you're not going to be banded around as an example of stuff going terribly but I, you know how, how good actually like you said it starts with the pastoral aspect check in with your volunteers ask them if they're okay get them to let you know you know throughout the week what's going on um, if you know that you know what is it now for most churches thursday's the deadline when sunday's coming for, yeah you know getting things in to so do a check on the thursday it's sort of like oh you know every week on a thursday eight o'clock we just send out a message have you got everything that's required for sunday is everything in is there any expectation say no this one's delayed but we know why clear or check then when you have your pre gathering meeting of all of the team that's going to be doing something this is a more practical kind of like meeting setting but we have these as well you've got everything everything there's no surprises i think there's yes. nothing worse than turning up to a meeting and something being an absolute blindside now you can't rule it out i've turned up to run meetings because we've had partial roof collapse uh 
you know, I mean, like you, you know, some meetings just have to happen in the moment. But you know, your general building meeting that where you're going to talk about maintenance, that like it, it's unfortunate if you get super surprises. Thing there should be more pre work done outside of the meeting. The meeting isn't the time to come and have the floor for everything you want to say. The meeting is the time to come and talk about the points and act. Yeah, I think that's really true. I, it's really interesting to because I think a lot of people want less meetings. Um, and, I'm, you know, if you read people like uh, Patrick Lencioni, who does a lot of work on talking about meetings and, you know, um, I think he does death. Is it death by meetings is one of his book. Um, yeah. And but he actually talks about the meeting is the most important thing that you can do when you're leading. It's, it's actually about the meeting and the lead up to the meeting. And he simply actually goes into it to say, you know, if you're not in a meeting, what are what are you doing? Because actually the meeting is the clear point where you want to get people together to, you know, meetings are vital. What we don't want to do is I think sometimes we, and I think internet means have definitely contributed to this, is to make the thing that the feeling is that a meeting is pointless and doesn't do anything. We want to avoid meetings. And actually that's not true. You want to you want to reduce meetings and only have them if they're necessary, but you must have meetings. And I think that, that's, yeah. that all of these things where you have those, uh, we, you know, you're checking in, checking in, not checking in, never mind, checking in during the week and make sure you've got all the lead up to things, the clear agendas beforehand. They, what they mean is it, is it makes the meeting so much more meaningful because actually all of that prep work, it is the meeting is the place where you want things to happen because that's where you're getting the people together you're getting the minds together you're getting all of those things so that that that's where you can make some really interesting decisions well, i'd like to go on to the, the next part which is thinking about how do we chair the meeting um and it's the thing that we are kind of passionate about which is you know facilitation that's what we do um so how can we think about chairing a meeting well respect the chair um you have like, no authority here lee button to fair I, I, I was going to say that at the beginning like because you had no authority to set the topic um look if the the chair right for, for one I'm, I'm always a bit of a fan of uh rotating the chair when we can i think that that's good sometimes we don't have setups that allow for that depending on what the meeting is so that's more board level trustee level okay uh, sometimes though it's you know if the person nominated chair doesn't arrive we can select from the people who are still sitting someone to chair that meeting look sometimes that that person's job is to hold you to time make sure things are answered get things minuted and make sure there's a clear representation of what was said determined and action okay that's that's their that's their whole role is to to make sure that you move through the agenda items let them yeah like it's it's literally their one job at that point in time they're not trying to be awkward it's the one thing there's there to do let them do it it's like it, it, it's often so thankless um yeah it's often so thankless uh or done you know badly just let them do it. They have a role. They are there to do it. And, you know, you want someone 
very calm, someone who can understand the facts, um, someone who, in one sense, you know, tried a little bit of arbitration on, on topics or knows if it's getting heated. Don't think you're ever going to have a meeting without conflict as well, especially if you're church. Don't, you know, don't be that naive. But harness the energy that that's that why that's arisen and why that's uh, why that's become heated and let let the chair guide that that's that's what they're there for so you know make sure that person don't don't make it personal for them actually let them do their role uh, and be clear on what they are there to do and i think that's the main thing is like they actually have a role to fulfill let let them do it um that's that's basically what it boils down to it's like the meetings need chairing uh sometimes you might want to do something as a wider team i think that's good then to have external facilitation to kind of like chair lead bring process to what you need to do so but on a day-to-day basis you're not going to bring somebody in to do that with every meeting but you you might want someone to come and sit in every so often to help you with a, a board level thing or decision or transition or certain key topics to, to help introduce new processes and ways of, of doing things. But yeah, chairing, uh, that that's that's somebody who has a role to do and we need to be clear on what they are there to do and be kind. Yeah, I, I I agree that you need to have some kind of conflict. I'm, I'd be worried about a team that has no conflict, that just all agree with each other. Because I think what you're doing is setting up an echo chamber. I think you can create. Oh, yes, and also, man. you know, if if you're you know if you're a your senior pastor and you're just picking people who are going to agree with you, that's really dangerous. Because all that's going to happen is, is you can just make some really silly decisions, and no one's there to provide a different. Uh, view of things and so I think that you need to have people who you're going to disagree with but they've got to be um, it's a thing that my pastor always says is there's a difference between disagreeing and disuniting and we said this at the top you know that level of trust if you've got that level of trust that you know that you can disagree but you're not going to disunite that's the big thing I think when when that conflict gets personal that's that's when it gets dangerous as well so but I'd rather you know, you're always closer to that line and the people have got to say sorry every now and again, then there's no conflict at all. So, you know... Well, you're, you're bound to be treading on somebody's toes at some point if we're really genuinely trying to move things forward, okay? And like you said, the disagreeing and, you know, but not disunite. Like, have that as one of the principles of when you're meeting. It's sort of like, you know... Before we give a response, we will let somebody fully articulate their point of view. That's, you know, that's a key concept. You know, try and avoid interruptions. There's nothing worse. Uh, we won't do the, you know, introduce bias or, you know, um, and, you know the ad hominem, you know, attack the man, uh, you know, or attack the person. But it's, we don't want it to be that thing that's sort of like, oh, I can't take on board your thing because, you know, I don't like your shoes. Like, you know, we want to avoid that kind of mm-hmm. nonsense 
uh, dismissal of ideas. At the end of the day, when people are there and you've got it, if you're a leader and you've got an idea and you've invited a group of people and they challenge that idea, you should expect to be able to rebut and defend the idea. Yeah. If you want a bunch of people around you who just say yes and you push it through with no challenge, I don't think you're leading fundamentally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's and also I've I've seen I've seen churches particularly uh that if people challenge that they they don't get the vision and we almost like put them to the side or kick them out or take them off team. Why? Like they're they're entitled to question. Mm. People actually have legitimate reasons for questioning and wanting clarity on why we're doing certain things. So, you know, occasionally that can be wrongly motivated and some people generally are attacking. Um, but actually, we we should be in a position to defend. And, and even behind that, we do have a legal duty. We are we are churches and we're doing our things and we are before God. But then on our, on a legal sense and a public sense and the charity sense, People are, are looking at our actions and what we do. And you don't want to like say, yeah, I got six of my friends around and I made the decision and let us do it. And we spent this money and there's no accountability. No, that, you know, those are, those are extremes and they're bad. I, I want to be able to have minutes that are public record that show uh, the nature of how we do things. That if somebody put a video out of our meeting, that they would see that there was, you know, robust conversation and good challenge and appropriately modelled and actually how we did that, that it would go viral over these guys knew how to get to actions and do something with the content and and, and what they were doing, that it could be a good example. To be fair, doesn't go viral, that's good. It's like, it's only ever the bad stuff, isn't it, really? That, you know, the <laughs> stuff that we're all going to have a giggle about. But But you know what I mean? It's I think, you know, but that, that leads on to other dysfunctions in how we look at it, but never for a minute think that if somebody questions you that they are against you. I mean, that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a shift to think that yeah. somebody's against you because they can ask questions of your idea. But then you see, that's the chairs thing. It's sort of like, okay, take that down a notch. You know, you, you've asked that, that is, that's, you know, maybe accusational as opposed to inquisitive. Like yeah. it's to watch for those kind of things. But, you know, watch the language, have the safety, uh, build up to it, have the dynamic, open it up, learn some tools to help you move past these things as well. Don't always just do stuff in debate. Understand uh, tools and techniques and everything from post-it exercises to small games and things that can help you go through this. This is proper facilitated process now, not just specifically meetings. Sometimes the meetings are... Is safeguarding done? Have we got a team in place? Have we got all of the licenses? Is the event going to run? Bang, 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 bang. You know, ticking. Most should be that simple, but occasionally we go up a level and it's a lot more uh, in depth. And I think, you know, you, you've used Lencioni as an example. Great example. Go and have a look at the table group for more information on stuff that they do. I think it's Jeff Bezos as well has got one where he... He says that, you know, before people speak, they have to be able to write it down because you can't. So he asks for, I think it's like six page narrative reports before meetings. And it's like, you know, and they have to, uh, and it was like, well, that's quite long. And he's like, yeah, but you can't hide behind a lack of detail. Right. Okay. So you almost have to put all of your stuff out before it comes up. 
that actually then when we have the meeting, the meeting is super fast. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Point four, can you explain? Rather than, right, let's start at the top and go through all of these items and build up the picture. Like it's, and maybe at that level, it requires that level of kind of like narrative and written description. Mm -hmm. Um, Or as we've mentioned before, you get bike shedding. Too much time is given to things of no consequence. Yes. I mean, that's a big thing that happens in, in churches. You know, the, the you know, what colour should the walls be? What brand of what light? What kind of coffee should we serve? Well, that, that, however, is a very important issue. Uh, no instant please. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, think that's, I think that's really helpful. And I think it's helpful to, you know, you know, if you're coming up with a suggestion to think it through almost, you know, what's the logical... Uh, conclusions of this almost think almost quite philosophically and you know get things down in, in a way that so that you know you the premises of, of what you're you're trying to explain are, are well thought through um we're going to hit on um this the topic of looking at logical fallacies in, in, a, in a future episode uh, maybe next week but um looking at all those kind of things when we when you're the job of the chair and looking at conflict and all those kind of things is you you've got to spot the logical fallacies. And we'll, we'll come into that at another point. So we won't go into it today because that's a whole subject, a whole podcast in itself. Um, what I would like to get onto now is looking at the, uh, what most meetings are there to do, which is make decisions. Um, what do we need to think through when it's making decisions? Because there's lots of different ways you can make decisions. I think we all like to see the idea where we all, all agree, but that often doesn't happen. So ha- how can we get to a point where we make well, decisions? What, it Right. What, why, what does it tie back to? What's your mission? What are you about? What does your governing document or your legal book or your procedures say? Sometimes things need to be unanimous. Sometimes they don't. So, so you know, colour of the wall, although that, that's a tenuous one, I'll come on to in a minute. Like in most churches, you probably get some swatches and you just go by majority. Yeah. If you're picking new chairs, if you're in a building, you're picking new chairs, you get some samples in, a few people sit on them, you ask people what they think, you maybe look at the budget consequence of it, but you build up a case, you pick, you just pick an option, you go with majority. That said, I actually did work with a church who there was obviously some contention in the past, in the past about, I think it was curtains and the, uh, that it was now like writ- written as like a, a bylaw of the church about the shade size type of curtain that they, I was like, oh, we need to modernize this. We'll take that down. It's like, I le- legally can't. It's like, what? 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 It's a bit of fabric. It's like, <laughs> like, don't, you know, like what went on in the past that that ended up written into something? Uh, do you know what I mean? So also it's, so, you know, those, those things are, those things are worth checking. That's a bit of a nonsense one, but it is, it is worth, you know, it's worth looking at. So it's, I think it is the gravity of the decision. And probably if it has financial consequence, if you're about to employ somebody, uh, then, you know, you need to know that you've done due diligence, that you've looked at it, you've got the references that people are agreed, you've built a good case. Can you afford it? Is there a business plan? You know, uh, because I've I've seen people take offerings to employ people. Yeah. Yeah. And a year later, you haven't got the money to keep them. 
because you need another offering. And so, you yeah. know, things like that. It's like, have we thought through the consequence of these actions as well? So it's, I think, yeah, it just depends. What's the scale of the decision? What does your objective say? Why are you making that decision? Is it, can it be delegated? Like, I've never cared about certain elements of, you know, the, the cups they use in kids' work for giving them all a drink. It's like my my only tick box is, did we give them all refreshments? Not yeah. like, did they get given a plastic cup at this size with a handle or a Mickey Mouse on it or something? It's like, I I, I trust them to make the decisions that they're picking appropriate stuff. Um, as long as I don't see that come up in the next meeting on the risk register. Do you know what I mean? You know, like <laughs> we gave them all glass cups and, and it was a disaster. So, but then, you know, other times maybe you are more, in, into into the decision about what you're making because it becomes brand or reputational risk. So I think maybe you need to have a matrix of the weight of the decision to understand whether you want consensus on it or if you want a uh, unanimous decision or if it's a decision that you can make with a smaller team. Uh, I don't know. Financial procedures and policies can be dictated by uh, law. Yeah. You don't need to gather as a team and work out whether you're going to accept it or not. You just need to do it. So what, you know, and the people who need them need to put the measures in place and I don't know, take that auto enrollment or something for doing pensions. It's like, you can't get around it. You've just got to do it. So your 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 decision-making there is, is different because you may as well just make the decisions that need to be made. Whereas sometimes if it's about, you know, the location of a new building or a new project or a ministry, or something we're going to do, you might want to take a lot more time over it and look at it in more detail, build up a case, um, do it with people who aren't on immediate team, look at getting more voices raised so that people have ownership into what's going on. Maybe that's where you would like some level of facilitation to to explore the options um, and get consensus from the congregation. But also on the other side of it, You've got a smaller team who are just going to give it the yes or no, probably more unanimously. Or who's got a casting vote if it's if it's a draw? Um, you know, it depends on the size of your team and at what level you're operating and what you're doing. Um, I created a, a way to think about decision making in teams. Um, I called it the decision box. I created it about 18 months ago. And uh, it's, the idea was it was there to help teams, you know, in these kind of, you know, if you're in a leadership team, how to think about it. And how I've designed it was uh, if it's a, it's a classic two by two matrix. So four boxes, basically. And on the, uh, the Y axis, you've got access you've got time high time low time so if you've got more time you've got a lot of time to make something or you've got a very little amount of time to make something and on the x-axis you've got scope is it at a is it a less important decision or is it a, a very highly important decision so if you've got if you've got low time and low scope it might just be better just to for the leader to decide we had 10 minutes to make this decision and it wasn't very important, so I just decided. Now, that's not an excuse, yep. firstly, for, for poor planning. 
it's the you know it's those examples of like you know this was cancelled we had 10 minutes to decide this or we had half an hour i've just made the decision and you have to run on trust and you have to run on that thing of you have to document why you made that decision afterwards and and, and you're accountable for why you made that decision um but i think in those kind of scenarios the leader deciding makes a lot of sense. If you've got a high amount of time and it's a low scope, you probably should just delegate that out. That out. It doesn't even probably need to make it to the, the team meet. You know, if you're a leadership team in a church, if it's a low scope decision, you can probably delegate that decision to someone else. Yeah. Get that action. And out. also, if we don't like the decision, can we change it again next week? How, what's the level of importance of it? Is it permanent? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so there's there are many things that you like. There, there should be a small amount of things that you to have to decide yourself a bigger amount of things i think that you should delegate out and i think majority of things are actually you can delegate then there's the things that are in the high scope area and if you've got a low amount of time i think that a vote is a decent example a good way of doing it probably look at maybe and, and this is obviously in line with your bylaws so how whatever you you know if you've got to have unanimous then, then stick with those of course but in those situations where you you do have the freedom to decide how you want to do it then, then if you've got a low amount of time and but it's a high scope thing, I think looking at majority vote is a really good way or a vote where the senior leader holds casting vote in the result of a tie is always a good way of doing it because it gets you to decision. And if you've got a low amount of time and you've got to make a decision, no decision is still a decision and um, and often often not a good one. And I think if you've got high scope, but high time, that means you, it gives you a chance to think about consensus and to think about working really, really hard to create something that is uh, where everyone is bought in on it. It's just in those, and I think that should be the aim in those high scope ones that, that you want to be able to have as much time as possible. So it should be a very few amounts of time where you're having to put it to a vote because you've only got a certain amount of time in majority of times you should have you know you should be working on those um things that are really important but you've got a lot of time to make them th those yeah. decisions so i it could be a really helpful way of thinking through making a decision in a meeting uh, it's the decision box so uh, yeah i think it can really help churches and i think yeah you've just touched on something else there as well though that's if you're finding routinely that you're calling a meeting to make important decisions at short notice you've got something wrong in your planning yeah like we shouldn't be surprised by as many things as we often are. Yeah. Uh, I, th I think that comes to it. So, you know, like last, last year when we, you know, got, uh, you know, a, a few weeks notice to being locked down and not being entering our buildings, there was still actually some time frame, but we gathered, we made a decision, we acted accordingly. We all got super focused on the thing at hand. Loads of other things went out the window that no longer needed decision all of a sudden you know cutting unnecessary things became very easy because it was taken away for us um so you know that became clear but you know it's you know we, we joke about it but nobody should be surprised by christmas yet there's many churches who start their planning in december yeah and it's you know we're headed towards easter and we shouldn't be surprised by that you know this is always coming the decisions that need to be made are often the same decisions as well year on year so what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, like they, they should be on the calendar and tabled appropriately that we've got advance warning that we can afford some slippage in anything that requires time to deliver, but that we are we are ready and able. We, nothing should surprise us. You know, we, 
occasionally stuff is going to happen and stuff comes up and we encounter things like I said, floods, roof collapses, those kind of things sometimes happens. Um, I'm still bitter about that when it happened to me, if you, as you may notice the amount I mention it, but it's, uh, but you know, the, the decisional aspect, actually we had teams who were prepared to make decisions in those timeframes because all the other stuff had been dealt with. We weren't having to make decisions on small things because they yeah. were already being done. So we actually had the time available to react, um, which I think is also important. The better that you're doing this and, you know, go back. Yeah, standing standing meetings can be a good idea if they're on the right things. But if you're just having a standing meeting and you don't know why you're having a standing meeting, you need to define the purpose. You need to get your planning. Look back at your mission and your vision and about, you know, all the things you're heading towards. And maybe even have a restatement of that before you begin anything at the major ones. That you go, we are here to do this because. Um, in fact, I had a, I had a, I had a, a short outline of doing that for um an objective statement before doing a meeting uh which is you know on the bigger stuff you know this meeting is two so what's the action what are we trying to do start with a verb in a way that how are we going to do it what's the involvement success how do we you know look at it benefit but all that so that why are we doing it why is it important um and that cut and then uh finishing with um you know, maybe that's, you know, we're having this meeting to conduct our annual strategy meeting mm-hmm. in a way that brings our team together, highlights accomplishments, um, prepares us for the future, uh, looks at strengths and weaknesses and takes into account becoming hybrid so that we finish this year well and our future is set up well that we can have a strong start going forward into the next year like that's that's useful on some of the bigger meetings but even on the smaller ones maybe it's a good pattern to get into that even the small meetings actually say at the outset that's what you're doing um we should probably follow with some blog posts and link to material about this that could really help people in setting those because yes that's very true and we do have some blogs around decision making that we can uh, send people to once you made this decision it's got to result in some kind of action so yeah. let's talk about setting actions because i think this is often where many church teams fall down they've made a decision but if they don't set an action to that then just nothing gets done and a decision that's not been actioned is not really a decision at all because it's got unless yeah. it results in a real world change it's irrelevant whether you've met and you've decided something so how can yeah. we better set better <laughs> actions have good minutes and make sure somebody's noting it all down. And then at the end, have a recap of what, by who, by when. That's very good. Yeah. And then maybe even off the end of it, today's status and when the review will be. So if you've got a standing meeting that's every week or every month, the next time you come around, you go, right, looking at last meeting, what was being done by who, by when, What's the what's the status now? Like it's easy. An action plan. Bang. 
Anybody can chuck that on a piece of paper, an Excel sheet, in Teams, Slack. It can go anywhere. It's a doddle. What, by who, by when, and maybe a status. Yeah. And the next thing to think about but, is, is okay, you, you might have to action that, but you've also got to usually communicate that decision. So the communication plan around that, because often you might have made a decision, you know, it could be a really big decision about your ministry strategy or, or something like that. And you've got to, the action could be to, you've got to implement that, but that means you've got to outroll a, okay, we've got to communicate that decision. And that can look different for different people, different stakeholders. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, so I'm an advocate of having a model communication plan that is the template to be used and reused no matter what you are doing. Yeah. So on occasion, if it's a small thing, it looks like overkill, but you can probably skip sections two and three, say. Yeah. But 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 notionally, you probably still need to go through every process every time so that your communication is always viable and accurate and clear. Yes. That even if you have to spend less time on this particular point uh, of it, but it's still a it's still a tick box still a tick box, you know, uh, and at the end, you know, did it go on the bulletin, the email, the website? Did it get communicated internally, externally, partners? Did it need okay by the board for approval? Did it affect our brand and marketing? You can even have risk registers on the end of it again as well for the, the level of response. Uh, and when will it be communicated? Where will it be communicated? By who? By when? Like yes. it, it, it it all ties back into another action. So it's like your communication plan is a template you're filling in and then it's actionable with something that's measurable that you can take account of to ensure that it's been done. Yes. In um, what we do with churches is we use the a kind of a template of who do you need to consult on this decision? Because when you're in together, you're kind of co-creating the future what you want it to be but there'll be people that you need to consult potentially on that decision you know maybe it's experts yeah. your directors who've got you know expertise in a particular area uh, maybe there's someone that you need to go okay i've got to consult that person because that will shape you know someone's expertise could shape that decision and so you'd need to consult that person then there's people that you want to test the decision with if especially if it's a big one this one might be you this one sometimes you might want to skip but if it's a big thing you want to kind of find those people who are indicative of how this will land in the congregation. Um, how will this, or it could be key people in the community you're trying to reach. So, you know, if I ask this person, this is the, they're really good test cases. So um, think about who you want to test it with. Then there's the kind of sell that, you know, this is where you're not going to, you know, people aren't going to, um, it's not going to affect what decision you make, but people deserve the courtesy of having a presentation and be able to ask questions and be able to wrestle with it and, and get to grips with it before it goes public. And then the last group is who you're just going to tell, you know, the tell, which is this is the big announcement or the small announcement. And sometimes, you know, small decisions, you may not need to go through all of that. But I think you're absolutely right. It could be, it's almost worth going through overkill on small decisions to make sure that you've got it right for big decisions. And so thinking about those, who are you going to consult? Who are you going to test it with? Who are you going to sell it to? And who are you going to tell it to? And then again, but you know, by who, by when, that that, that all comes into it as well. Who's responsible yeah. for it? Because someone's got to make that happen. The thing is, so when it comes to communication, it's a little bit like things that go viral. 
we all recognize bad communication. Yes. And so in our mind, we know how it shouldn't be done because of how it made us feel. That, and normally it's a feeling of how we received it, how we heard it. Oh, I didn't hear that directly. I heard it from so-and-so and now I feel upset, that kind of thing. It, that, you, know, and, you know, we've all experienced communication like that. The problem is the lack of visibility of good communication because good communication works and we recognise good communication, but it's sometimes less clear to understand why it was good. Yes. Or how well it was done. It's a measure of intent and planning and execution. There's, you know, there's there's a few elements to that about why why it worked and why it worked well. But there's there's less on the we we recognize bad comms and try to avoid it rather than being intentional about how to do it well. So it's like we don't want our comms to be X rather than like our comms will be this and being very clear on what we're trying to do. So I would say instead of be, be wary when you're setting up communications that you're not doing it to avoid issues, you're setting it up to be purposeful about the clarity and intent that you have so that it's communicated well. There are some uh, organizations that have gone kind of that next level for, further with uh, communication. And I, I'm trying to, I'm thinking of the book. Um, have you read Team of Teams by um, uh, General Stanley McChrystal? Is it Stanley McChrystal? Someone like that. It's got a great name. It doesn't. Yeah, there's name. a lot of the, there's a lot of um, McChesney, McChrystal, and yeah. different names. Yeah. I, I, think it's, I think I it's think, Stanley. I think you're Mc... right. Yeah. But he was talking about in the American army during the Iraq war, what they decided to do was to get communication really fast. They basically pretty much to the whole army, they basically, you could listen in to the meeting as it was taking place. Yeah. So they, they basically town just town hall style, town hall style. You can just watch in and listen in. And um, it doesn't mean you get a chance to be able to, you know, Disagree, you know, you might disagree with that decision, but at least you've heard it. And it just cuts out all of that. You know, we've got to do this, then this, then this, then. I think it's really interesting. I think it could be an interesting one for, in future for, for churches to think through about how they can make their decision making more transparent. And even, you know, this is what we're working on. This is what we met about. And this is what we talked about to make actually making it more and more open. I think this is a thing we we talked about. I can't remember if it was on a, a podcast or not on a podcast. We were talking, was it last week? We were talking about Monzo, about how they just basically published yeah. their plans. I think as we talked about that last week. And and actually that that radical transparency in plans and communication just it kind of takes out the middleman and the the often the planning well, in place. The, the the means to do it now are cheap, if not free. Like Monzo's public roadmap or monzo's business roadmap is publicly available was on a free trello board at the start yes like there's no excuse not to do it the tools and means to do this and like you know now even if you're if you're using uh microsoft 365 and you've got those tools you can have files that are visible you can do things with sharepoint websites are cheap platforms there's Trello, elements of Planner. You might even do something like Notion and make a page available for free off the back of that. It's easy to do. So there's no excuse not to give visibility of what's going on. 
and actually if you if you aren't making things visible i i would be i would generally have a query of you know what what's being hidden um and i think you know not just because we're cynical but actually people have invested heavily and committed to our churches our projects our ministries um in, in what they're doing i think visibility of of what's happening is is, is kind of like the least we can do in return yeah this is probably a good place to uh to finish the podcast there um really interesting topic and hopefully jackie weaver will be proud of the uh the the, the guide we've put together in her name um i don't know if we can you know i think we can use her name legally i think that's okay um so so jackie if you're listening to this um thank you and uh and keep fighting the good fight i think that's what we want to say yes absolutely (laughs) right lee i will see you next week see you next week Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And don't forget that you can send in your thoughts, comments, uh, discussions for whatever we've talked about. Uh, just drop us an email, podcast at thinking.church. And we'd love to be able to read it out on the show. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we will see you soon. Bye for now. <laughs>